composer, arranger, educator, Arturo Ofero brings the world together through his music, combining musicians from different cultures and musical influences from past and present. Arturo sees it all connecting in a spiritual, inspiring continuum, which he celebrates on his new CD, Fandango at the Wall. As the son of Chico O'Farrell, Arturo enjoyed music as a central focus of his life from the beginning. Additionally, he worked with some of the greatest musicians in jazz and continues to pursue collaborations which inspire him in new directions. I found Arturo's attitudes about what we do with music, how we share it and what we learn from it, particularly inspiring, along with his commitment to put good thoughts and actions into the world. Arturo Farrell and I met in Manhattan for the following conversation last month. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I started by asking Arturo to introduce the following song from his CD, Fandango at the Wall. Al principio es la bendición. Tener la bendición del cielo, del mar y de la tierra y de la gente para comenzar el fandango. In the beginning was the blessing, the blessing of the song Siki Siri, and we asked that blessing of the sky, the earth, the sun, the moon, and the people so that we can commence with the celebration of humanity. which you pick up with your music and now getting finally to meet you. And you said a wonderful phrase when we started talking, getting to know each other off mic, and you said, I can tell you don't live in the jazz ghetto in my mind. Yeah. That was really beautiful. I want you, I know what you mean, but I, I want you to explain that because one of the goals of this show when I started it, and I continue to have this goal, is to invite people in who might not know jazz, might not think they like jazz, might be afraid of jazz. And so I've had a lot of people on the show, like Billy Joel or like Seth MacFarlane, that people think, oh, Billy Joel likes jazz? I'm going to listen to that show, and I hope it seduces them into this music you and I love. 
but yeah. there is a lot of this jazz ghetto thing. I want you to talk about that. Speak to that. Well, let me let me begin by saying that I, I believe very strongly in the concept of jazz. I just don't believe that it is uh, played out as well as it could. Um, when I was a kid, I heard Seven Steps to Heaven, and when Herbie Hancock first steps off into the stratosphere and unraveling layers of African rhythmic code, my life was changed forever. So it's, I have nothing against jazz. But I think that in some ways, uh, jazz has stratified, eliticized, and created this thing in and of itself that is very off-putting. And somehow we become less relevant to the world than ever. And in fact, I read a statistic where we are less relevant than classical music and in terms of sales. And I'm a jazz musician, but I believe in Kendrick Lamar. I'm a jazz musician, but I believe in Got Chalk. I'm a jazz musician, but I believe in Albert Eiler as much as I believe in Charlie Parker. So for me, the way that we look at jazz has sometimes unfortunately become a way of identifying ourselves as a, as opposed to embracing the infinite. Mm. I'm a jazz I'm a jazz musician. Or I'm a jazz enthusiast. Or I'm a jazz historian. Or I'm a jazz scholar. And then invariably you get a, a description of the 1950s blue note era. And like it's just such a small little slice of segment of something so huge and infinite and powerful that could never be contained by any label, any institution, any one person. There's no spokesperson that can ever do that. So uh, you know, being open to here's the, exactly what I mean. Being open to what jazz could become is so much more important than defining what it is. Mm. So people who define for themselves what they what, the, but this goes for all of life. I mean, people who people who define for themselves what they are by what they listen to, or by what they eat, or by what they wear, or by where they live, are people who live in a ghetto. People who define for themselves what they are by what they could become mm. are human beings. Mm, I and for really me, like that. For me, that's what I mean when I say the jazz ghetto where people go, I live in this infinite little point right here. And, and people who are real jazz, people who really love jazz understand that jazz is a journey. It's mm. not a what, but a how. Mm, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. <laughs> and it's so inclusive. Okay. That's the whole point is it should be inclusive. This is a, a music that absorbs and reinvents and reinvigorates itself.
And talk about this wonderful CD. Talk about inclusivity. It's just, it, it, well, of course, I, I grew up in California, as I said. Yeah. And so it really means a lot to me where you recorded it, how you recorded it. The whole concept of it is beautiful. So talk about this. Sure. Fandango at the Wall became a project that I uh, worked many years with Kabir Segal, who's my, one of my older friends, oldest friends and producer. And what happened is a, a board member from my uh, beloved nonprofit sent me an article in the New York Times about a wonderful man named Jorge Francisco Castillo, who had founded this festival 12 years ago called Fandango Fronterizo. And what happened was he was a retired librarian who had just gone through a divorce and his life was in upheaval. And so he volunteered to clean up the beaches of Tijuana. At that point, he didn't realize that the wall, the border wall, juts right into the waters. (laughs) And so there's literally a wall right into the Pacific Ocean. Anyway, he saw... That this was a great. He's also he'd also at that point started being really interested in San Jarocho music, mm. and so he thought, wouldn't this be a great place to have a festival of San Jarocho music? And so he gathered a bunch of folks from the United States and from Mexico, and they literally met at the Mesh. A lot of people don't know what that wall is like. It's a four. There's a there's a park called Friendship Park. The actual two legal borders don't actually touch. They're, they're actually 40 feet apart, separated. Uh, the, 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 the wall in Mexico is 40 feet from the wall in the United States, and inside is a park called Friendship Park. And periodically, the border police would allow people to come in there to celebrate birthdays or weddings or to do whatever crazy stuff happens to celebrate. They would open it on weekends. Anyway, so Jorge said, this is a great place to have a fandango. Now, a fandango is traditionally a celebration of life with much dancing, much drinking, much singing, much guitaring. And um, he managed to get all his friends from all over the United States and Mexico to meet at that point when they opened the door to Friendship Park right at the mesh. So you have literally musicians on either side of this mesh performing together. And when I read about this, I thought, oh my God, this is such beautiful and pure activism. This is the spirit of real activism, of taking the very elements which oppress and hurt you and enrage you and turning them into the very elements that unify you, Mm. that give you license and that draw you in to celebrate humanity and life. And so I said, I've got to meet this man. So we contacted um, Jorge and he invited us. I'll tell you a funny story. He invited us to visit him. I went to his house to visit him, stayed a couple of days. And um, I was just in awe of this man. I've met all kinds of important, heavy people. But I was just in awe of this man and of his vision. We went and met with Jorge and learned about the music, the haranas, the different guitars, the different functions, the different songs, El Siki Sidi, which opens up every fandango. And we cautiously asked him if we could join the celebration. And he was a little wary of it because they love that thing. They love that thing and they don't want it to become a big publicity stunt. Mm. Right? And I really respect that. And we, all the cultural diplomacy I've ever done has never been about visiting a country or a people's and going, hey, we're jazz musicians. Look how great we swing. Yay! All the cultural diplomacy that we ever do is about entering silently with great love and respect into the countries that we visit and say, you are amazing. Show us how mm. we can serve you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what we did. So we 
he, he went back to the committee of organizers that uh, run the thing and they invited us and we came to sit alongside our Mexican brothers and sisters, not to take precedence. There was no transactional relationship. There was no buying, no selling, just to stand by the side of our Mexican brothers and sisters and sing at the top of our lungs across this mesh, this wire so mesh. beautiful. And we brought quite a cast. We brought Regina Carter, the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra. We brought the Villalobos brothers. We brought Saba Motalebi and Rahim Al-Hajj. And uh, I mean, it was... I and, couldn't Antonio believe it. Antonio Sanchez was there. And it was such a celebration of life. And I'll tell you, I felt so affirmed as a human being in the presence of chicken wire and border guards with machine guns. And that's a miracle. It that's is. That's a miracle because and – and it goes to show you that this, this thing, this moment in history, this aberration that is taking place in our lives right now is actually a cue. It's actually a clarion call to join together in a stronger way than ever and to become more convicted – that what we need to do is respect the right of every human being to exist, to mm. be fed, to be clothed, to be loved, to have a job and an education opportunity across the world. And when we still live in a planet where three people have everything and the rest of the world have nothing, we have a lot of work to do. And that's what I learned. That's what I learned in Tijuana, watching people celebrate with the greatest joy you could imagine. But I've learned this lesson over and over again. It's not what you have. It's not what you wear. It's not where you live. It's not, it's who you are and how much of yourself you give to those in front of you. Para mi querida tía María, te quedaste en México. Para los niños en la frontera. Trying to look past this thing that's between us. Wondering when all this anger will fade The stars look the same from where we are standing Why can't we fix this mess we've made? Let's not forget that our fates are as one Just because we feel numb and betrayed There is love, there must be Something good, something strong between you and me there is hope, we must try If we don't, we'll regret it the rest of our lives Side by side, forever You and me, we are stronger together Hoping to find a path to forgiveness Knowing that pride always gets in the way We all want a place where it's safe to be human The welcome embrace of a brand new day Let's not allow what we have to be lost Just because of what someone might say There is love, there must be Something good, something strong between you and me there is hope, we must try If we don't, we'll regret it The rest of our lives, side by side Forever, you and me, we are stronger Together
are stronger together. There is love. There must be. Mandy Gonzalez on Line in the Sand from Arturo Ferrell's CD, Fandango at the Wall. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. So many times, the act of performing for someone is a demonstration of sorts, and very few times do we really enter into a performance situation where we invite the audience into our, not necessarily to play alongside us. But no, but but I look at it as a an experience that's all together. I do look at that when I go out to perform. I don't want this to just be a voyeuristic exercise for the audience. Right. I really want that communication that's the ultimate well because but but you know exactly what i'm talking about because if you're just performing and not you know we love when people interact give us energy yeah and yeah return yeah. love but i think it goes deeper than that so i get the feeling that you understand the idea that the thing the the difference between performer and spectator is a construct and no matter who has what expertise or who does what, when you enter into a relationship with somebody that's listening to you perform, that's a holy relationship. I think so, too. And holy relationships cannot take place in the, in the guise of hierarchy. And so on some level, what you want as a performer is to stop being the expert and to take someone by the hand on this journey with you. And in the process, you have to be open to what they have to say is what they have to offer to that moment of performance as well. So I have an old trick that I do. I've been doing this for a thousand years. I have an orchestra and trios and quintets and octets, and I do almost every time that I perform. I'll make a nice, tidy little set list, and I'll have a game plan. And invariably, I'll depart from it and i'll <laughs> start too. i'll start completely my band members will look at me like i'm nuts because i'll start improvising and going somewhere in a completely different direction they have no clue what's going on and you know why i do this because it equalizes the playing field because the audience doesn't know us and they're at a disadvantage the audience doesn't know what we're doing or who we are or what we're about we know we got the papers in front of us. We've all played a thousand times together. And that's an unfair, that's a hierarchically unfair relationship. So once we equalize that by taking great big risks, we really enter into 
a fairer playing field. Mm. Mm. And so the audience then doesn't, maybe the audience doesn't know that I've just changed the game plan and that everybody's kind of like, what's going on? But they sense. They sense danger. Yeah, they do. Which to me is the great thing with jazz. If you're really doing, if you're doing it the right way and you are always walking on that edge and sometimes falling off and this, the audience loves it. They're constantly talking about that. I, and I know it's happened to you that, that audience members, I love how they key in. One person says, I love seeing you order your band around, or I, I love looking at your feet, or I love looking at you directing. I didn't know what you were doing, but I loved it when you pointed. They are involved in that whole yeah. process, and they can see that it's improvisational, that it isn't all arranged every single second. Well, because we all inherently understand that we have to put our lives in danger, so to speak, to really experience life. We have to try that, which we've never tried before, that, you know, that mole. It's what we're doing every day. Right, exactly. Or should be. But it's safer to do it in in the presence of people who are also taking that chance with you. Mm. So audience members who feel that you are exposing yourself, you're vulnerable, you're taking a chance, you're jumping off that ledge with them, Mm. are more willing to go with you. And that's that to me is kind of the sacred responsibility. So that's so different from what we're taught, isn't it? What we're taught is to have control, to know what we're going to play, to have a set list, to have our shtick, and to know how to unravel it. And and so and I, so I just so I, it's just interesting because I think that the 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 real purpose of art is to equalize, and in so doing, to liberate. Mm. You know, and that's that. That's been that's lovely. <laughs> Equalize and liberate. No, it's really. I like that. I'm. I'm having a whole thing here, October. Wow, <laughs> I'm
Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to podcasts of Jazz Inspired on all the usual podcast platforms and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. My guest is pianist, composer, band leader, Arturo O'Farrell. When I was growing up, the only place that had a jazz program was North Texas State and UMass. Right. I remember. That's it. That was it. The way I learned to play jazz, I had to go down to a club in on Eldridge Street. 
and sit around while a bunch of older musicians, Stanley, Stanley, no, Tommy Turrentine, Tommy Turrentine, Jimmy Vass, James Du Bois, they would just stand around playing music, man. <laughs> and you'd be like, hey, man, how'd you play that turnaround? I'm not telling you, man. Go get me a beer. Yeah, I know. Yeah, those old guys. That's so and, funny. And then if you got them enough beers and nickel bags, they would eventually say, all right, I'm going to tell you once. Only once. <laughs> God forbid you should not get that turnaround that one time because he will never tell you that again. It's so great. I haven't thought about this in years, but you're right. It's been, That's how we learn. We learn by asking our elders to please divulge the secrets. But the part that doesn't get taught is that we have to hang with our elders. We have to look at them. We have to understand them. We have to live side by side with them and see their socioeconomic position, who they were, their character. You can't get that in a classroom. No. You can't get that in a classroom or from a YouTube video or from a book or from somebody who's in a nicely dressed, pristine suit or whatever say no. this is the turnaround for uh this and that these are the tertiary dominance and this is the t- tritone can you imagine me for- hanging out in those clubs when i was uh, 20 i mean i took my life in my hands some of those places life, yeah. in uh, in la yeah i it was more dangerous and people don't know that but when i was coming up in la it was harder for me to go to a club there because i had to drive to the, some dodgy you are area a hero yeah because you a- took listen women took their lives in their hands oh, to yeah, learn to play tough. this music. And in fact, you know, my first boss was the amazing Carla Blay. I spent three years touring with Carla Blay and it was the most unbelievably important part of my life. Yeah. Because I understood that jazz is not a gender issue. Jazz is not a sexual preference issue. Jazz is not, jazz is a journey inside. And in order to get there, you have to be willing to stand in places where you may be subjected to sexual gender derision. And if you're going to learn this music because you love it, nothing will stop you. Nothing. And that's really lost. I mean, I love my people, but it's really lost on, on students who just sit in classrooms and get taught.
talk about on the corner of Malicon and Bourbon. Am I saying it correctly? That's absolutely correct. All right. I'm going to do my best Rod Serling. I'm ready. Imagine a place where <laughs> jazz and Latin are neither jazz nor Latin, but both are one and both are the other. You've just entered into the corner of Malagon and Bourbon. <laughs> that was such a bad Rod Serling. Oh, but it was I want everyone who's within my hearing voice to please forgive my Rod Serling. Oh, no, but it was so funny because it's what I felt because that's why I hesitated <laughs> to describe what it is because so many people, and we've talked about it a lot on the show, people that have broad influences or like lots, you know, the big, the, the whole thing of, of jazz and other kinds of music and things, some people combine those influences beautifully. Some people fall off the rails. You know, like right. I love I love Roger Kellaway because you yes, hear the of history of jazz of every second with this man, with every note he plays, yep. because none of it is intellectual. It's all this beautiful uh, – he's lifted. It's all genetically there, you know, or organically there. Anyway, I loved it in this piece because you have so many different things going on, and it's absolutely delightful. It made me laugh. That's I wonderful. just Thank loved you. it. So talk That's about this piece. But before I do, I bet you're a big John Costa fan. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I, wow. <laughs> but talk about this okay, piece. Okay, I'll talk about this piece. You and I are going to keep digressing. I have to keep going, you on we're point. Going, we're going over the place. Focus, careening, focus. careening, careening, look careening, careening. Look at my okay. eyes. Focus. Come back. Corner of Malacone and Bourbon is basically about how the music of Latin and the music of jazz, or what we call Latin or jazz, are ir- irrevocably intertwined. And we know that from the fact that New Orleans was actually a kind of an African village as Havana was, and kind of both of them are kind of the same place. If you think about it, New Orleans and Havana are very similar. A lot of people don't know that. Oh. A lot of people know about the French influence, but they, they go and then they find out about this whole Caribbean thing and all of that, and they go, what? How, is that in there? And it's that was that was It's a port city, yeah. and the port that had the most trade with the New Orleans was Havana. Mm-hmm. They like within spitting distance of mm-hmm. each other. And a lot of the uh, inhabitants of New Orleans had Hispanic surnames. Uh, Congo Park was filled with people of uh, Central and South America and the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So the birth of jazz was irrevocably intertwined with the uh, with with the birth of Latin music, and even that, even both places, you can't call them. You really have to call both places Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the the the, the the funny stuff about that piece, the, the stuff that I love about that piece is that I directly take some of what Scott Joplin did, uh, specifically the stride. Yay! <laughs> the stride aspect, the brass band aspect. The yeah, kind of, the, yeah. And the jagged rhythms of the syncopated right hand. Yeah. And I compare those to the guitar-type rhythms that take place in Latin music because mm. there were no pianos in the mountains of Cuba. Mm-hmm. So instead of... And somehow, I, I really sense that these two worlds are so interconnected, which is one of the tragedies of having this incredible... Uh, embargo against my people. It's a tragedy. No, the whole thing. And when I listened to that, I think that's why I was so tickled 
with it because you make that obvious what you just beautifully illustrated in that. And I really hadn't put that together. You know, I guess I know it in my bones, but I was hearing all these different rhythms well, going all on the together. Greats, it was fantastic. All the really, like one of the earliest big hits of Louis Armstrong was the peanut vendor. You're right. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie was the father of Q-Bop. Uh, Duke Ellington, I mean, it, let's face it, all the really great and visionary creators of what we call jazz, which is a word that I can't tolerate, are actually people who understood the the journey doesn't originate in St. Louis or Kansas City or New Orleans. The journey originates in West Africa, and then it comes up through all of the Americas, in the Caribbean, Central America, Mexico even, and then it lands in the United States and becomes what it becomes here. But even as it's becoming what it's becoming here, it's becoming the same and other things throughout the rest of the world. Mm. So the calling jazz America's classical music is like calling classical music Austrian music. Yeah. It's just too small. And and that's the message of um, on the corner of Malcolm and Bourbon is all about fluidity. It's about understanding that the rhythms that, that we call ragtime were rhythms that were taking place at the same time in Havana. And the rhythms and, and but the other thing I love about the corner of Malacorn and Bourbon is that I, I get to pay tribute to my heroes starting uh, uh, backwards because I'm kind of a little bit, um, what do they call when you do things backwards? Uh, when you read backwards, uh, when you write backwards? Oh, when you're um, dyslexic. Dyslexic. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a little bit dyslexic, but I don't do it on a macro, on a micro scale. I do it on a macro scale. So the, uh, the whole structure of Alicone Bourbon is a history lesson from Cecil Taylor backwards to Scott Joplin, and along the way, we visit uh, Hamiet Blewett. Mm-hmm. Uh, we visit uh, Charles Mingus. We visit Charlie Parker, and we visit uh, Louis Armstrong. And then when we finally get to the beginnings of what we call jazz, which is this kind of raggedy thing that I made up to mimic ragtime, there's a moment where the pianist just kind of goes, oh, that's interesting. It sounds just like a Montuno. And before you know it, they're off on this crazy swinging Latin uh, rhythm thing. Um, and I think it is. It's about fluidity.
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm talking with composer, pianist, bandleader Arturo O'Farrell. The things that make us cry are so important because they're, they're going to say something really, really strong because they remind us of how brief this beautiful experience is and how giving over to it with abandon is the most important thing that we can do because this is such a gift. This is such a gift, and we don't know what happens after. Or no. Some of us think we do, or some of us know we do, some of us know we don't. Whatever you know is nonsense, because this moment is the moment. And so the, 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 the natural response is to tear up. And if you're in touch with the reality that this is fleeting, there's a sense of loss and a sense of gain from recognizing that moment. By the way, if you realize that, it'll also affect the way you respond to others. Oh, absolutely. Because if you, res- You're if right you there. realize how, how, how little we have, how short it is, then you're going to want to give away yourself. Invisible Suite, Free Falling Borderless, composed and arranged by my guest, Arturo O'Farrell, from his CD, Fandango at the Wall, sung by the Young People's Chorus of New York City. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Arturo is now living in both L.A. and New York, and as a native New Yorker, to his surprise, he's loving Los Angeles. I think as wonderful as New York is, that 
real diversity of Los Angeles is profound to me. Oh, it's, 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 it's hard New to York, fathom. New York has incredible pockets of far out diversity, but in and of itself, it's not, it's the, the neighborhoods are very, you know, the socioeconomic yeah. classes are very separated mm. and mm. as they are in LA. But yeah. I'm just saying that there's such a diversity there's, and especially of Latinos. Like LA has a lot of Mexicans, yes, but what an incredible assortment of Salvadorans and Central because they all come up from San Diego. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of Central Americans. Yeah, a lot of interesting and a lot of Persians. A lot of you know, it's just a no, really, it's, it's got a, a really it's a huge... and here's the thing: there's also a Latino mayor, a Latino city council. Arch, it's really something. It's going to be really a really learning experience for you. I'm think thinking so. all the things that are going to come. Now, talk about uh, Symphony Space. Symphony Space. I, wanna, I can't let you go until we talk about what's coming up. Because speaking of diversity, Argentina. Argentina is an incredible place. Um, and one of the heroes, one of my father's dear friends, was Lalo Schifrin. And Lalo Schifrin, actually, my father bemoaned, for like as long as I can remember, bemoaned not heeding Lalo Schifrin's advice, oh. who invited him to go out and live in Los Angeles so he could be Oh, we've come full circle. Yeah, oh, so my he, God. he thought Chico had what it took to become a film composer. So, but my father said, you know, he didn't want to do it. And so he stayed in New York and him, and he always regretted not, not, not Did he? following Lalo's advice. Um, but we're playing Lalo's incredible, uh, rarely performed Lesbiana Suite, mm. which is um, a, a you know a wonderful suite that that, that Lalo wrote for uh, Dizzy Gillespie, whom he also toured with for two right. Years. I knew that right. And the, the piece is brilliant and employs five French horns instead of a traditional reed section. Mm. Um, and it's in multi movements. Movements are really beautiful. I mean, of course, Lalo's an incredible writer, but I think there's also a wonderful tradition that comes from the Argentinian aesthetic of great composers, not just Lalo, Astro Piazzolla, the obvious ones, but there's such a, a, a litany of young, one of my favorite composers in the world to now, today is a gentleman named Guillermo Klein. Mm. And Guillermo Klein and Los Gauchos is just a just fabulous composer. Um, Emilio Soja is, mm. is a gentleman that I just just uh, just released an album called Entre, uh, and and uh, wonderful wonderful composers and it's it's exactly the kind of Argentinian aesthetic because it's such a classical environment yet mm. it's such a part of a rich tradition of Afro African uh, influenced music and dance practice so you get a lot of really, really fabulous composers from Argentina. And so we're going to have a night celebrating not just Guillermo, uh, uh, but the composers, uh, not just Guillermo, but Emilio Soja and uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guest curator, Pablo Aslan, who is a composer and a bass master, uh, Sofia Rey, who's a singer. And we're going to celebrate the traditional and the modern and the music of Argentina that almost nobody knows exist because everybody when they think Argentina thinks tango right, which is right. a venerated tradition yeah. we will be performing by the way some tango we're going to be I don't know how many people are hip to the name Horacio Salgan mm. Horacio Salgan is like the Bebo Valdez of Argentina he's like the uh, the piano emeritus great 
genius professor of that school, and he is one of the most wonderful pianists that I can think of. Oh, fantastic. So we'll be doing his piece, Aquellos uh, Tangos Camperos, and it's just it's really looking forward to it. See, I think Spanish is very sexy. You said that it was good for cussing, but I think it's good for all this, too. I, aqueos, I'm feeling it. Aquellos Tangos. Mm. So you can say almost like, you can almost say the ingredients for <laughs> arroz con pollo. <laughs> Necesita cebolla. Oh, stop, it's too much for me. No, no, no. Cebolla, un poquito de sal, pimienta y el pollo. Oh, that's hilarious. Now, listen, we need to wrap this up. I've okay. got you here forever, but I want you to say something. Do you Be- want to say, do you want to end something in Spanish I besides you, arroz con pollo? I want to say you are a wonderful, gracious host, a beautiful human being, and I can't tell you how much fun I've had and just the second i met you i groveled at your feet you did grovel i I, enjoyed it you know (laughs) i enjoyed it too (laughs) gracias i loved every bit of it thank you so much what a privilege thank you thank you thank you you've been listening to my conversation with arturo ferro i hope you'll join me here next time when i talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidoff. You can download free podcasts of Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired from all the usual podcast platforms or listen at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. Please visit jazzinspired.com to find out about our educational outreach programs, our mission to inspire creativity, and learn how you can become involved. 2020 is our 20th year on air. Thank you all for your support. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at StrideQueen. Additional support for Jazz Inspired is provided by Page at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit Page at 63 Main at opentable.com. And for more information, visit jazzinspired.com or Judy Carmichael. Dot com.